Hello everyone, welcome back to Compete Clarity. Back when the Competitive Intelligence Alliance first launched, one of the first topics we explored was competitive positioning. Now, a year later, we wanted to revisit the topic and brought an expert on board to help, today's guest, Fiona Finn. In a previous role at Unbounce, Fiona oversaw the platform's repositioning from landing page builder to conversion intelligence platform while navigating two pricing changes in just one and a half years. Now Director of Product Marketing at JNAP, Fiona joins us to talk through how competitive intelligence fits into the very important puzzle that is positioning. On today's episode, expect to learn what role competitive intelligence should play in your positioning campaigns, how dedicated CI folks can best support their product marketing colleagues with positioning-related intel, how to use SEO and SEM data to exploit unique competitive advantages, the advantages of your positioning being a set of values that permeates your company culture rather than just a strategy, and much more. Let's welcome Fiona Finn. All right, welcome to the show, Fiona. It's great to have you here. And I'm excited to talk a little bit about effective positioning today and the various ways competitive intelligence can kind of help you craft that. But before we get into it, let's just give everyone a bit of background on you, uh, if that's okay, and on Jane.app as well. So what does Jane do and what does CI look like for you over there? Perfect. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, yeah, so I'm Fiona. I'm our head of product marketing over at JNAP. Uh, JNAP is a health and wellness um, practice management and EMR solution. So uh, we really help all types of practitioners um, and small practice owners who work in kind of every realm of health and wellness, uh, ranging from mental health practitioners, chiropractors, RMTs. We even have, you know, some vet chiropractors, everything in there. So uh, really, you know, we have a really great way to help all types of uh, professionals manage every kind of piece from their client booking, scheduling, billing, insurance management, um, and have a really, really beautiful solution as well. I find like a lot of um, products in our space, they they feel more clinical because they are for clinics, but we have way more of a, a practice-friendly, a consumer-friendly kind of feel, which um, is a really, really beautiful product to be able to work with as well. Um, so in terms of what competitive intelligence looks like over at JNAP, I joined just about uh, almost two years ago now, I'd say. Um, and so when I joined, one of the things I did, which I kind of recommend to every product marketer who's the first PMM at a company, or maybe it's just a new role for you, is just do a bit of like an internal audit with your internal customers. So kind of do the rounds, do a bit of discovery, figure out how do you describe yourself? What you what do you feel is your product category? Uh, who do you believe your competitors are? What are kind of some key opportunities you see? Um, and during that early discovery that I kind of did in my first two weeks, um, I had a lot of amazing learnings, a lot of you know, learns in relation to our product category, how do we describe ourselves, core positioning, um, and of course, who we consider to be our direct competitors. Um, given that we are quite unique in that we serve every type of clinic and every type of practice, um, it was clear that there weren't a lot of people like us in that sense, but a ton of others that really went deep on the vertical uh, specific positioning. Uh, so that was a really, really great learning. And from there, that's when I kind of decided, yeah, there probably would be merit in kickstarting a competitive intelligence program just to get us all on the same page and really have that clear understanding of who our competitors indirect, direct, and maybe even potential are. Um, and one thing I always kind of want to 
drill home is that, you know, I think it's it's healthy to have an awareness of who your competitors are. I want, you know, my teams to always be competitor aware, not necessarily competitor obsessed, especially for us. What we're trying to do is different. So we're customer first, competitors, maybe third, fourth, fifth. Um, but I think especially for PMMs, you really want to have your eyes on the market, but ears with the customer and have that balance as well. You mentioned uh, customers first, and that's really something that I, I want to talk about a little bit later. But what I'd love to get a sense from from you um, right now at this early stage is why do you think competitive intelligence is important in positioning? How exactly can it help, especially with a product like JNAP, kind of competitive landscape in terms of indirect competitors? There are a lot of them. Um, so nailing positioning, I imagine, could be quite tricky. How does competitive intelligence help you to do that? Yeah, I think it forms a really good foundation of where we want to differentiate. Um, it really helps us get a strong sense of what common languages, what common product categories are, what common problem solution spaces folks want to play in. Um, and really what I feel um, our job as product marketers who focus on positioning is, is to have a very broad understanding of where your competitors want to play and leverage that to differentiate from those you want to differentiate against. Um, I think it's always important then to bring in that layer of messaging that is related to your customer as well. So it's kind of like the general place in the market where you want to play and then the nuanced message that you want your target customer to hear and that unique benefit they want to get from you at the end of the day. So I think they kind of go hand in hand. Um, yeah, and I think that really helps you accelerate some of those learnings as well. Obviously, positioning is something that should never be set and forget. This is, should be something you're always revisiting and refreshing just as you would always be refreshing your toolkits. We don't use the terminology battle cards or anything like that at Jane. Um, we don't have a sales team. So again, the way that we leverage competitive intelligence is quite unique in that sense. Um, but what my team has is a really robust toolkit, uh, which allows us just to really understand uh, the ins and outs of a product, of their messaging, of their benefits, um, and then how we want to show up best. How frequently would you say you're tweaking or amending positioning? Is this something that you tend to revisit um, just in practical terms on a weekly basis, on a quarterly basis? Um, or is it really just ad hoc when it needs it, as the market shifts and you sense things changing, you know that you kind of need to go in and update? Yeah, I, I don't think there's any one set of rules for any type of product. I think it really depends on your industry, how competitive it is, whether you know your product itself is changing, whether your target customer is changing. Um, but I think generally as a rule of thumb, if we want to kind of bring the two together of that competitive lens and positioning refresh, I would always advise teams to make sure they do a competitive refresh at least once a quarter, just ensuring everything is up to date, their awareness is there. And then in with that, that could be a huge input into your key messaging refresh, positioning refresh. Um, the scope of refresh when it comes to position and messaging is obviously huge as well, right? You could have uh, two home pages with two different with two different key messages and positioning statements that you're testing. I think as as teams find their feed and find their flow and find their audience, that's always a good way to start versus making assumptions. Um, I think ads are a really, really great way to test and validate messaging. Those should always be experiments that you're running in the background as well, looking at conversion rate, looking at success rate, and then that could be an ongoing way to inform 
what that once a quarter or maybe even less refresh looks like. Um, and I think depending on how much input PMM has into some of those messaging channels is really important as well. Um, obviously, at the highest level, what uh, net new customer interacts with will likely be on your homepage. So ensuring that, you know, you have a really strong say there is important, tying the dots then to whatever paid ad or event or any other kind of channels that would be an input into that source are really important. And then finally, ensuring that um, if your product is not self-serve, if you have interactions with uh, a sales team or support staff, making sure that they can also test that message and give you that feedback as well. I think that's really important too. Mm. Let's get a bit more of a sense of how competitive intelligence is structured um, in a, a, a Jane app, if, if you don't mind. So um, is it a, presumably there's no dedicated team. Um, there's a product marketing team, um, centered around you and the competitive intelligence, uh, responsibilities fall to that team. W would that be fair to say? Yeah. So right now, uh, we're uh, a small team, but, uh, a small team of experts that, um, I would say that the way I tend to try to tend to build PMM teams um, is building a team of generalists that can do most facets of product marketing, competitive intelligence being a key one, and then ensuring that each PMM has a bit of a specialist lens, whether that's, you know, monetization, whether that is going super deep on competitive intel, maybe it's something more technical like developer relations or um, documentation. Um, but for my team, as we're currently structured, everyone owns competitive intelligence in order to support the portfolio of work that they support, sorry, their product portfolios that they support. And then generally, I will um, delegate that quarterly refresh to one person so that competitive intelligence is constantly an input into our product teams. And then once a quarter, it's a bigger, more strategic input into every other part of the company. Um, and with that quarterly refresh, then ensuring, like I said, that our core assets, which are currently our toolkits are updated, that we do a bit of a roadshow um, to our CS team, marketing team, product team, and leadership to make sure that they are kind of in the know and can have that Q&A piece, because I think that's always really important as well. Um, I think I've described kind of like when you're talking about competitive intelligence, your stakeholders are always going to be kind of like the Spice Girls, right? Like they're always going to have a different like lens, a different like focus. So what your sales team are going to ask, you're going to be so different from your marketing team. And so you as that competitive intelligence expert, you need to be able to answer all those questions. And I find that's easiest to allow someone to go deep on that initiative once a quarter. And you said you don't have a sales team at JNAP. Um, mm -hmm. So your stakeholders primarily then um, leadership and product, is that right? And marketing as well? Yeah, we have a customer support team. So always want to make sure that they're equipped to answer any customer questions. Um, our customer support team are just truly amazing. They are just, you know, those kind of Swiss Army Knives folks who are genuinely just helpful. We just don't sell at Jane. We just help clinics understand if we're a fit for them. Um, and being able to navigate some tricky conversations is naturally a part of that. But we don't arm our team with pitches or anything direct like that. It's generally coming at those conversations with curiosity and then allowing them to understand how we can best help. Awesome. Um, so I know that uh, when you were at Unbounce previously, you oversaw the repositioning of the product from a landing page builder into a conversion intelligence platform. You also navigated to pricing changes in one and a half years. Um, pretty big projects. It sounds like pretty impressive stuff. What I'd love to know, and I think what a lot of the listeners would love to know as well, is how did you use competitive intelligence within those uh, projects to oversee those things? What did the process look like? 
Yeah, so I would say that competitive and market intelligence was a huge input as to why Unbounce took on the strategic decision to build a category, change category, um, and then have all those compounding things that we had to do as part of that, such as changing pricing. Um, maybe I'll just do a quick kind of pitch as to like what Unbounce was, just to kind of set the scene. So um, I would say that Unbounce was really first to market with a landing page builder, right? It really established that category of like no code landing page builder that was really friendly, easy to use, specifically for marketers and website designers. Um, so that was kind of their go-to-market strategy over 10 years ago. Obviously, fast forward 10 years later, nearly every SaaS um, product category is super swamped. Um, I think, you know, landing page builders kind of started to become a bit of a dime a dozen, especially when we had, you know, these full scale uh, website builders now. And so there really was a incentive, a strong need for inbounds to differentiate in their markets just because they went from being first to market, no competitors to super, super saturated place. So obviously competitive intelligence was a huge push behind that. And then in terms of understanding um, which strategy to chase, whether to build a product category or not, which, you know, category to define and, and move into. Uh, competitive intelligence played a role in understanding not only what were the core value props of landing page builders, but then as I kind of mentioned at the start, understanding how you wanted to differentiate from those. Um, and that layered on what did the customer actually need that they weren't getting from existing landing page builders. Um, and so for Unbounce, that was really, landing page builders are great. That's really the outcome. But the actual outcome that you want from a landing page builder is customers, it's clicks, it's conversions. So that's really where that um, initiative to build a landing page builder that drove conversions like really intentionally came from. And that's where we started to find um, building out a conversion intelligence platform. So our messaging, our customer need and the value prop that we wanted to chase really then informed the product roadmap and what could that conversion intelligence platform look like. So it really started from that customer market and competitor intelligence versus from a roadmap, which I feel like is, is how a lot of these decisions kind of come to be for most organizations. Um, and then in terms of understanding pricing and packaging. Obviously, again, similar to messaging, this is something that um, we, you should always be testing, always have an eye on, always be updating at least your pricing page design and layout, if not the actual ins and outs of your pricing and packaging itself. Um, and then competitive intelligence definitely played a role in that, in understanding what were the existing uh, pricing strategies of competitors and similar tools? What was the customer need? And then how do we want to differentiate? So for us, um, it was uh, really understanding. Uh, we really want to connect the dots between our unique value, which is driving conversions, and that pricing strategy. So we were basically priced on conversions with that in mind. So a very unique strategy. Obviously, competitive pricing is a strategy in and of itself. You can have value-based pricing, seat-based pricing competitive based pricing. Um, that was a consideration, but not the strategy, I would say, at Unbounce. So what did the, um, let's put it this way, what sources uh, did you kind of favor when it came to the kind of research process? Yeah, I think obviously monitoring your competitor's website is always kind of the first stop, I think, for most product marketers. Um, for me, whenever I onboard a PMM, I almost have a competitive intelligence handbook that 
they look through on their first week. And with that, it's a lot of like setting up the foundation of your competitive awareness. So ensuring that you have your Google keywords search uh, turned on, um, ensuring that you're in your competitor funnels, ensuring that um, you've signed up for newsletters, that you've signed up for a trial. Um, obviously, the ethics of using your email and stuff like that is a, a fun one, but I'm always as transparent as possible and, you know, feel like it's, it's okay to be curious about competitors. So always encourage that. Um, and then pricing pages is something that I do always tend to, to keep a close eye on, just even from like an inspirational standpoint, it's always good to know what trends are happening, especially those in similar industries as you. Um, so sending up alerts on something like uh, visual ping, I think is helpful. So you'll get notified if they've shipped a change. So you kind of always want to have this element of like set and forget alerts and uh, awareness happening in your world as a PMM. And then when it comes to doing a deep dive for a strategic initiative, like uh, a pricing change, you really want to go straight to the customers, uh, sorry, straight to the websites, talk to any kind of customers that have come to you from them as well. Um, and then I love looking in communities. Um, I think hearing straight from users is always so impactful. And I think we kind of forget how many online communities truly do exist. Um, sometimes they are, you know, on a competitor's website, they might have a community platform itself. More often than not, you will be able to find information on Reddit, still on Meta on Facebook. Um, but I would always encourage you know, following um, any influences in this space as well, because those folks will be the first to talk about any kind of like unhappiness or grittiness or changes in pricing too. Awesome. Awesome. Very helpful. Thank you. Um, so Customer uh, research. I think it's about time we spoke about it. Um, it's come up a few times. Um, positioning isn't just about competitors. Um, there is that phrase, competitor aware, not competitor obsessed, customer obsessed instead. You know, positioning kind of rides on the needs of the customer. If you don't know what those are, you can't position yourself as the solution to fill those needs. Mm -hmm. um, so how much does customer research itself and your own understanding, I guess, of Jane Apps customers inform your approach to competitive intelligence as a whole, um, or even product marketing more widely? Yeah, I would say it is the top priority for us. Um, I would describe our strategy as, you know, customer led. We really just want to understand every element of our customer from what their day looks like, you know, what are they really struggling with? What are their motivations? Uh, what do they want their career and clinic to look like five years from now? Um, really being beside them in all those decisions, in all those uh, challenges, and then being able to show up as helpful as possible. Um, and so we use the word helpful a lot at Jane. And that helpfulness, like I said before, it comes from being helpful in being curious in our customer support conversations, our content is always just super helpful, relevant. We tell customer stories. Um, even the way we describe our features, we don't use marketing jargon. We use the language, the plain language that our customers would use as a health and wellness practitioner to really describe the value and benefit that they can get from JNAP. So with that in mind, in order to have that language, in order to have that empathy, in order to have all that context, you really have to spend as much time as possible with your customers. We tend to do this by breaking out our customers to understand the nuance of each uh, vertical or discipline a bit more. Obviously, the mindset, motivation, day-to-day -day of a busy chiropractor who might say, 40 patients in a row is very different from, you know, a behavioral health therapist who wants, you know, a smaller, 
you know, group of customers to work patients, excuse me, to work with. Um, so understanding all those nuances is super important because at the end of the day, position and messaging, it really is an answer to a question that your customer has. Um, so you can't really decide in isolation what you're going to be, what your value statement is going to be without understanding what questions your patients or your customers, I'm getting my language mixed up now, but what language your customers have. Um, and I think that is that really interesting, um, that kind of correlates interesting with PMM's role in understanding the customer and understanding the competitors in what your SEM strategy is, your SEO strategy, um, and kind of has to tie all the dots then between all the messaging across all your channels and what questions you want to answer for your customers as they search for software. Mm. Uh, listening to you talk about this, I think it's quite clear that you empathize with Jane App's customers. Like it sounds like it sounds like you genuinely really care um, that Jane App is doing a, a good job of, of helping them and delivering a really great product. Um, and it kind of makes me uh, wonder about um, positioning as strategy alone versus something that's almost entwined within the culture of the business, um, which it sounds like it might very well be um, at Jaina, how much would you say it's uh, essential or an advantage for your positioning in that way to be for almost inseparable from the culture in the business? You know, something that, that permeates right down to the hiring process and stuff like that. That's an amazing call out. I I would say that's absolutely true. I think um, I think at other organizations, kind of it's very strategy first, right? It's very um, strategic, which I think is is totally okay. You know, there, there's a reason for everything in that regard, but we don't do anything at the cost of it not making sense to a customer at Jane. And whether that's the language we use and say a blog post, we could take one approach, which, you know, would be strategic. Let we understand the keywords folks are looking for. Let's make sure we have as many mentions of that as we want. But will that actually make sense to someone who's reading it? Will they actually be able to connect with that? At Jane, the answer would likely be no. So, we trump brand and tone and actual quality of content over some of those more strategic elements that might be more traditional in marketing. And so I think that's why we kind of take this customer-admired marketing approach versus a marketer-admired marketing approach at Jane. And I think that really shows up in how we speak, how we communicate, and maybe as we might say at marketing land, how we position, how we message. Awesome. Um, let's change tact a little bit. Um, something you mentioned to me before was um, switch campaigns um, and how uh, you've been thinking about you know, how you might use them. So I'll just put the question to you. How would you use competitive intelligence to help out with that process and, and get that right? Yeah, I think um, switch campaigns are just generally a really interesting topic for product marketers to always be thinking about. I think um, in the old world, I think there was a tendency to take the the very straight up keyword centric versus approach, um, a very template approach to like, we need a checklist, we need a feature list, uh, we need the pros and cons, a very sales oriented way. Um, and while I do think there's still, again, it's still strategic, there's still merit in it, there may still be value. Um, there's a lot of cons to that approach as well, right? It can get outdated. Showing up as features doesn't actually show that you understand the workflow or the nuance of the needs of the of the customer uh, in your content. Um, I also think a switch campaign is a really important brand interaction 
that again, it shouldn't just be templated. I think if we think of the best switch campaigns in history, two competitors coming up against each other, it really would be, you know, the old school uh, Windows versus Mac campaign. That wasn't a switch campaign. It wasn't a versus campaign. It was a brand level campaign. Um, so I think that there's a huge opportunity for product marketing to really to contribute more to brand level campaigns and really bring competitive intelligence to the fore in crafting what a switch inverted commas campaign might look like when you're trying to get them to move from one solution to yours or to another. Um, in my mind, again, I keep going back to how do you be helpful? How do you understand the shortcomings or the challenges that they're current facing in their day-to-day, -day, not just their solution? Um, so obviously, you know, you could go high level. Uh, previously, I worked at a company called Clio, which was legal practice management. Um, we had direct competitors, but a main competitor was pen and paper. So really a switch campaign is like, why, how can we make your day better from what it currently is? And yes, you could name out your competitor of pen, paper, wasted pages, notebooks everywhere, just a disaster of a mess of a desk um, and really kind of get into the emotional um, and practical elements of how their day could just be better. And so I think that competitive intelligence is a really important input to planning what we might call a switch campaign, but the customer empathy and lens has to be married to that as well. And then I also think um, it's interesting in the changes that we're seeing um, in terms of how Google is allowing us to show up. You know, I think again, previously, as I said, if you want to take strategic, traditional approach, you know, have your keywords, have your versus language in there and really kind of like hope for those rankings. Um, now with Google's helpful content updates, it's really more question answer. It's really more or practical, actionable advice that folks are looking for. And so your story against a competitor or your story against another solution should actually be about how can you make improvements? What practical advice can you provide? And then how will your solution help your customer's day and life just be better? Yeah, that's really interesting. You mentioned something that, that doesn't come up too much, but in competitive intelligence, at least, um, always seemed to me like it would be... Um, a super useful avenue to explore, which is um, SEO and SEM data, keyword data, um, any search engine data really um, in competitive intelligence. And I imagine for something like a switch campaign, you know, it's, it's going to be quite useful. Um, in practical terms, I guess, for someone who maybe hasn't done this before and wants to kind of try using um, SEO or SEM data, like AdWords data, to maybe improve the results that they've been getting or, you know, exploit an avenue that they haven't gone down before. Uh, what advice would you give them to do that? I would say, obviously, start with research. I, I always love to start with asking questions for everything. And I think while you don't need to anchor your um, strategy on keyword stuffing or anything like that, you should be aware of keywords in the sense of what, what is the common language that my customer would use to describe my software? What is the common language that my customer would use to uh, search for a better solution? And I think, again, taking that customer-centric lens and applying it to your keyword research should then provide you with, you know, an initial list of top quality questions. There's obviously a ton of tools out there as well um, that can help you with keyword research. Um, I have a list I can pull. I blanking at the top of my head. Um, but I think investing, and most of these are freemium tools as well, right? So this is a pretty 
low cost research effort that you can do. It doesn't have to be that expensive. You don't have to be an SEO or keyword expert, um, but making you sure you do your research upfront based on what your industry is saying, you know, is a popular term based on what your customers are saying is a popular term. And then with a lot of these tools as well, you can see what your competitors are trying to rank for as well. So when you bring those three pillars of research together, that should give you a pretty long list of keywords you want to at least start to explore, start to include in your content, even helpfully, if not super strategically and intentionally. Um, and then I would recommend folks mapping out a bit of a key, sorry, an SEO uh, playbook. So I think that should then inform the types of content that you want to create, whether you want to create glossary pieces, which are these very detailed long form um, blog posts, guides, white papers that, again, Google with their helpful content updates will start to favor because of how you format it, um, because of maybe how often you use certain keywords. Um, then I think, you know, folks should always be refreshing existing content as well. It's not good enough to set and forget, but ensuring you layer any changes from your competitors, from what they're ranking for. and revisit and audit any existing content to make sure that it's a lower cost way to still rank and perform there. And then finally, have like a third pillar of, of your SEO playbook, which would be perhaps keywords that your competitors aren't yet ranking for, but you feel that there is, you know, an adjacent opportunity for you for, and you want to get there first. Um, so yeah, I think those are kind of like three strategies that product marketing doesn't have to necessarily own, but is a really, really important input in working with your SEO specialist or with your content team um, to really formulate that playbook, that plan, and have that competitive expertise and input into. I'm... Uh, I'm, I'm conscious that a lot of the people listening might be part of like a CI team and work with product marketers on things like positioning. What advice or like pointers um, would you have for like dedicated competitive intelligence um, people when it comes to providing their dedicated product marketers or even other teams with Intel relating to positioning? That's a really, really great question. I feel I've never had the luxury to have a, a full-time CI person. Um, Honestly, this is kind of, maybe it's a lame answer, but I would say like, know your customers, your internal teams are your internal customers. So if you know what their gaps are, what their pain points are, like start with that discovery versus making the assumption that like, this is what I'm good at. So if you could use that, that would be great. I would start with that discovery, understand what their pain points are, and then fill those gaps. And that's also, like I said, a great opportunity for you to upskill, you to layer on new ways that CI can deliver new value across your organization and just come with curiosity. Like I said, maybe you are considering those competitor keyword gaps in your current SEO strategy. And that could be a huge driver of net new organic traffic. It could be a new way to inform your whole content architecture. It could be a whole way to inform new brand level and switch campaigns. And so by coming with curiosity, understanding the gaps and filling those gaps, I think CI could continue to have um, an ever, ever evolving value um, in any type of organization. One last thing that I love asking people, um, if you don't mind, just before we wrap up, tell me about your biggest competitive intelligence success story, um, or if you prefer your biggest kind of competitive intelligence disaster, um, just something <laughs> practical, like from the archives. Yeah, for sure. So I think uh, I... I think there's three different types of competitive intelligence projects that you can have. Number one, there's the reactive project when your leadership or your sales team or marketing folks come to you and say, 
who are all these people? We're losing loads of deals. All of a sudden we have no information. Like we need to know everything yesterday. So there's that initiative. There's the strategic initiative where you have a longer term strategy. You want to redefine your place in the market. And this is really where you can, you know, you need investment. You might need budget. You might need more time and focus to contribute to, to that type of program. And then the final one is when you go to an organization and they're like, we don't have competitors. We don't need competitive intelligence. And you need to do some myth busting. Um, and I think I've had the opportunity to kind of contribute to and, and build out all these different types of programs. But I think the biggest success has been a really effective reactive program. Um, so I think previously at, at Clio, we just didn't have a CI function. We had a growing sales team. We were first to market, then seemingly overnight, we had, you know, five to six very strong, very targeting uh, direct competitors. Um, and so I, you know, I could, you could sense it. You can sense when there's this culture around competitors brewing. It may not be documented, maybe it's in Slack, maybe your deal flow is changing, um, but but you can feel it. And I think taking the initiative to go to your leader or just, you know, say no to other projects and saying, hey, we need to actually prioritize this. Can I have two weeks to just give you the lay of the land and give you everything you need to know? Um, and so that was my first CI um, initiative at Clio, uh, where, you know, I jumped in, paused all work, all work, scoped out at the offset with leadership. This is who I'm going to look at. This is going to be the outcomes from it. Um, we can revisit then, but give me two weeks so we can do this. And I think the work that I was able to complete in those two weeks actually had about a year and a half's worth of longevity. So I think if you can, you know, make the hard decision to just jump in, say no to things, set the expectations of, I'll give you some toolkits, I'll do some training, we'll have refresh positioning, we'll have a clear understanding of their pricing, I'll do an, an overview and a Q&A session with our SLT team, um, I'll really understand their product, the nuance and, and have advice for our product team. Um, I think that that level of focus and intention and very well-defined scope can be really, really effective. Um, like I said, I, I think there was longevity for about a year and a half in that, which is, I think, rare. Maybe probably not as much these days as, you know, customers come to market so much faster. So, yeah, that was a that was a nice win. Also, just building that culture and awareness for the first time. Again, it was all of a sudden people knew how to talk to things. They had talk tracks. It just changed the culture. There's a sense of calm once again. Um, and you always want to be able to contribute to that on a company culture level as a CI practitioner or PMM too. Oh, for sure. Well, uh, Fiona, thanks so much for joining us on the show. Uh, it's been a pleasure talking to you. It's always refreshing to get a product marketing perspective. We speak to a lot of uh, dedicated competitive Intel folks. So yeah, thanks so much. Thank you so much. This is great. Thank you, everyone, for listening to another episode. Q4 is upon us already. How on earth did that happen? But before the year is out, we'll have released this year's edition of the Competitive Intelligence Trends Report. For the past three years, our sister community, Product Marketing Alliance, has gathered opinions and insights from around the CI community on what's changing in competitive intelligence. This year, Competitive Intelligence Alliance teamed up with them, and this one is shaping up to be our most comprehensive report on the state of CI yet. We build this report to ensure your CI programs are always the best they can be, to tell you if you're investing enough in CI to compete, and to inform you of the practices and processes those at the cutting edge are using to pull ahead. That drops in November, folks, so keep your eyes peeled. In the meantime, if you've got at least five years of CI experience and would like to have a conversation about competitive intelligence on the show, we'd love to hear from you. Send an email through to contribute at competitiveintelligencealliance.io 
That's contribute at competitiveintelligencealliance.io. I'll come straight through to me and I will come back to you as soon as I can. Thanks again. We'll see you next time.